Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. So uh, how many of you have been enjoying this series from this day forward? Anybody? Yeah. Today is the, uh, the finale, as I've been calling it. We're finishing it up. And I think today really is probably the most important sermon of all four. So by a show of hands, I'm gonna need you to participate a little bit. Um, by a show of hands, if you are in a relationship with someone who is the opposite of you, if they're in the opposite of you, lift your hand. If you're in a relationship with somebody in the opposite of you, right, everybody. Okay, put your hand down. Um, if, you are, if you are the one who is punctual, you're punctual, you're on time, just lift your hand up. Okay, now put your hand down. If you're the one that's a little bit more um, like creative with your time, you know what I'm saying? Uh, lift your hand up, you're a little bit more creative, okay. Um, if you are the extrovert, raise two hands, extroverted, raise two hands. Okay, put them down. If you're the introvert, just give me one of these right, right here. Okay, 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 okay. Um, if you are the one who is spontaneous, lift, lift your hand. If you would just get in a car and drive it until the gas runs out, you are spontaneous, no plans. You hate plans, love surprises. Now, if you hate surprises and you are a planner, if you're the planner, lift your hand. You're a planner. Okay, we got a little, little bit of room. Um, I'm married uh, to my wife, Jessica, will be celebrating 10 years this April, and I and her are opposites, um, literally opposites. A couple years ago, we went through this assessment, and we met with a marriage therapist, and we took all of these spiritual gifts tests and all these personality tests and strength finders and Myers-Briggs, and, and we sit down with this cancel, counselor, and, and he literally just looks at us, and he goes, y'all do know y'all are the exact opposite, right? And we were like, yeah, and he goes, her strengths are your weaknesses, and your strengths are her weaknesses. And he said, which is, which is fine because opposites attract, right? Like God has a way of bringing people who are different together. In fact, if both of you are the exact same, that makes one of you unnecessary. Um, so he said, opposites attract. And he goes, but here's the thing. He goes, I just got to know, are y'all okay? And I, I like look over at her. I'm like, I think we're okay. You know, and, and here's why. Because in dating, Opposites attract, but in marriage, opposites attack. Well, what was real cute when y'all dated, woo, it's annoying when you're married. <laughs> like you, oh, come on, y'all, you, you used to love, you used to love it when they were spontaneous and they would get you out of the house and they would take you places and they would just surprise you. You used to love that when you were dating, but now you realize when you're married, that is why you stay broke, because they can't quit spending money. You used to love how they were so go with the flow. Ladies, you loved it when he was just like, yeah, babe, whatever you want to do. Like, we could just, it's cool. And then you got married and you realized he wasn't go with the flow. He was lazy. You loved it, how she would always dress up. And every time you saw her, I mean, just looking gorgeous, hair done, nails done, feet done, nice clothes on. You're like, whoa, this girl is fine. Always looking her best. She stays in shape. And then you, you get married and you realize that was just retail therapy and there's two maxed out credit cards. <laughs> Why? Because in dating, opposites attract, but in marriages, opposites attack. And what started as a small annoyance turns into a big problem, doesn't it? Started small and then all of a sudden to kind of cover it up because it wasn't that big of a deal, someone lies. And then you find out that they lie and, and what started as this little annoyance turns into this knockdown, drag out fight and before long that happens over and over and over again and you don't even know who you are with anymore. Why? Because opposites have this way of 
attacking. Um, I want to ask a question. If you have been married for more than one year, married more than one year, will you just lift your hand? If you're watching online, lift your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Y'all give yourself a round of applause. After one year is hard, y'all. I don't know about you. (laughs) That first year of marriage is difficult, isn't it? Okay. If you've been married more than five years, lift your hand. Okay. Keep them up. Keep them up. Now put them down if you, if you haven't been the case. No, I'm sorry. Keep them up. Keep them up. If you've been married more than 10 years, keep your hand up. More than 10 years? Okay, I'm almost there. More than 15? More than 20? I'm gonna jump some years. 30? Oh, wow. 40? How long have you been married? 40 years. Come on, how long have you been married, Mike? 42 years. Y'all give it up for him. Hey, that's an awesome accomplishment. Ask him for advice afterwards. So here's my question then. Ready? Will your marriage make it? If you're taking notes, that's the title of the sermon today. Will your marriage make it? Let's find out. Heads, your marriage makes it. Tails, it doesn't. Ready? It's heads, praise God. Aren't you thankful that your marriage making it doesn't rely on a coin flip? But that's the percentage of divorce rates in this country. That's your probability. Now, if you're here and you're not married, this this sermon is gonna be for you. Okay, there's principles all throughout this. If you're you're single or single again, this is gonna help you really prepare uh, for marriage if that's what you want, or just any relationship. But I wanna talk today to some married people because uh, we need to understand that actually the divorce rates in this country are going down, but they are still not good. The U.S. is the third largest country. It's the third one that is known for divorce. Um, If you are from the ages of 25 to 30, statistically, you have a 60% probability you'll be divorced. If you're over 50, we are seeing the highest divorce rates we've ever seen in the history of this country. You know why? Empty nesters. For 18, 20, 25 years, you built your marriage around your kids, and when your kids go, your marriage goes with it. And now you're under the roof with somebody you don't even know anymore. Um, Women are 69% of the ones who file for divorce. Um, On average, we see 600 to 700,000 people get divorced every single year. Those are not good odds. I don't know about you, but my marriage means way too much to me than leave it up to a coin flip. My children's future mean way more to me than leaving it up to a coin flip. 50%? We can do better than that, church. And what's interesting is the time in which divorces are filed. The most prevalent time is between January and March which is why we did this series in February and ended in March. Very first week, we had a couple rip up divorce papers, amen, by the glory of God. And this is why we do it, it's, it matters. The problem is, right, is that the challenge is, all of us, when we get married, or you wanna get married, everybody plans on making it. But what I've learned is that marriages don't make it by default, they make it by design. You don't just accidentally slip into a healthy marriage. The average marriage rate, 
The length of marriage in our country is 19.9 years. Just to support that theory of empty nesting, that's the average length of a marriage. But you could think, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty good. No, no, no. 19 years? I think we, got, we can do something about that. But, but what, I, what I find interesting, and the reason I think a lot of marriages don't make it, is because we haven't been prepared to make it. We haven't been taught how to make it. No one kind of tells you what to expect and not to expect and helps you set healthy boundaries. I mean, it's so crazy to me because do y'all remember when you were like 14 years old and you had to take the driver permit test? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The test from hell, anybody? (laughs) Can we be honest? How many of you failed that test for the first time? Okay, y'all are my people. That's what's up. That's why I hated studying. I never studied. Hated studying. But, I, you know, they're like, oh, you got to learn how to, when to turn and, 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 and how you can drive in this lane and not in this lane. You got to know all the road signage. You got to know all of this stuff. And, and, and what's interesting to me is that you have to prepare and study and take a test to get a driver's license. But you can go down to the courthouse for $100 and marry somebody and you don't even know their middle name. You can just, I don't even know you, let's get married. And, and, and I think the issue really starts with, I don't really think we know what marriage is. What is marriage? Well, here's the bad news. You don't get to define it because you ain't the one who created it. And the one who creates something is the one who gets to define its purpose and meaning. So what I want to do is I want to go to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 and get our definition of marriage from him because it's in this passage where the Pharisees, the religious leaders come up and they try to trip him up. Because they know Jesus is full of grace and full of love. But they say, tell us about this. Tell us about marriage, but then also tell us about divorce. So in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus begins to have this conversation. And here's what he says. He says, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Let me pause here and tell you that at this time, um, women were considered property and they had no rights. And so back then what they could do is like a man would have like, you know, his house and like his farm and his cattle and his wife. Not not to be disrespectful to anybody, but if he was just like, I don't like you no more. You out, just throw you to the curb. So they ask him like, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And here's what Jesus says, haven't you read? He replied, so everybody in this audience would have known what he's about to say, but he shocks them completely. He didn't just raise the bar a little bit. He raises it all the way to the top. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? I know that's all confusing these days, but he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Now, what's he saying? He's not saying you don't have a personality. He's not saying you don't have an identity, but he's saying that when God looks at you, married people, he sees one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's like this picture of taking two pieces of paper, whole complete pieces of paper, and bringing them together and super gluing them together. And he says, what the enemy wants to do is rip you apart. And a lot of us believe that we can be ripped apart and stay in one piece and not be hurt. By the way, if you're single in the house, let me help you understand something. Marriage is not the end all be all. 
It is not the goal. So I apologize for anybody who's ever made you feel like single means second class. Because I'm gonna tell you something. Marriage does not fix all your problems, but it will expose them. And so please do not think and hear me saying today that you are missing a part of you because you are not married. I said that two whole pieces of paper get put together, amen? So don't let anybody tell you, oh, you have to be, you know, you have to be married in order to fulfill uh, God's calling on your life. No, 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 God gave you a calling before he gave you a person. So I just wanna say that because a lot of times we mess that up. So don't feel like I'm just, I'm excluding you today. But what I am saying is I don't think we really have this idea and know what marriage is because we think of marriage as a contract. But marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Write that down. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Hebrews 13 says that marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept here. That idea of honored by all, it means with weight. It means with significance. I want people to see our marriages and see them as something weighty, something that really matters. See, marriage, it's a covenant, not a contract. And, um, and I remember when I got married, Jessica and I, we signed our first contract. We moved into an apartment, brand new apartment in Gallatin. And you've probably signed contracts before, but... Um, we moved into this, this contract or this apartment and we signed a contract for one year and, and all contracts are kind of similar, right? What is a contract? It's an agreement between two parties for a specific amount of time, right? And here's what a contract does. Um, a contract, it, it, it lowers the expectation on you, but raises the expectation on them. And so look, here's the difference between a contract and a covenant. A contract is built on mutual distrust and a covenant is built on mutual commitment. And so when Jessica and I signed this contract, it said something like this, right? It says, hey, if you promise to pay your bills on time, pay your rent, pay your electricity, pay your water, you don't you know, paint the whole house green, you don't destroy everything, you ain't smoking weed every night, ruining the carpet, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ain't, no, y'all don't know what I'm talking about, good for you, I don't either, so anyway. Uh, so. <laughs> That was not on the script. Anyway, so um, as long as you do that, the contract is good. And if you do your end of the contract, we'll fulfill our end of the contract. We'll make sure your water's on, your electricity works. Make sure your utilities are paid. Make sure that you can still live there. And if, if you break the contract, then you can get out of it. Here's the problem. That's how a lot of us think about marriage. That if you hold up your end of the deal, then we're good. But the moment you don't do what I expect you to do, I'm out. The moment you don't hold up your end of the bargain, I don't have to hold up the end of mine. So the moment that, you know, it gets a little uncomfortable and I don't really like you here, the moment somebody else comes along, I can leave you to get them. It's got more curb appeal over there. So as long as you meet my expectations, we're, we're good. But this is not what marriage is. That is a contract. Marriage is a covenant. Somebody say covenant. Here's the definition of marriage. I'm gonna explain what a covenant is. Marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman before God for life. Marriage is a covenant between one man, one woman before God for life. Here's the idea of a covenant. It comes from the Hebrew word bereath. And it literally means a cutting. And so here's how that they would enter into this covenant thing called marriage is that when the two parties would come together, they would take a bull, hang the bull up, cut it in half, and allow the bull's blood to drip, 
and the couple would walk through the blood of that bull seven times to enter into a covenant. Is anybody thankful that is not our process today? Or they would get a priest or a pastor as a representative of God, and they would come together, and they would stand on an altar, and what he would do is he would take the hand of the man, and he would cut it open. And then he would take the woman's hand and cut her hand open. Those pretty little hands on that wedding day. And he would mingle their blood together because Leviticus says that the life of a person is in the blood. And then he would bind and tie their hands together so that they couldn't be separated, signifying that now you're one. When they would cut the bull, they would say, if, if we ever decide to separate what happened to that bull, may it happen to us. So now what do we do? We, we, we exchange rings. We give vows. Understand this though. A vow is not just to the other person. A vow is to God. I remember my vows like they were like yesterday, right? Like I remember the pastor looking at me and he says, Cody, do you take Jessica to be your wife, to love and to cherish her from this day forward, to have and to hold through sickness and health, through poverty and wealth, loving her and being faithful to her as long as she makes you happy. As long as she does what you think she should do. No. What does it say? As long as you both shall live. It's a, it's a covenant. I think we miss that. We've forgotten that. And, and, and we believe, you know, that, well, I can just separate. It's better. I just, I can separate. And so, so if you're here and you want your marriage to make it, here's what I've learned. Your marriage making it is only as good as the commitments you keep. Not the ones you make, but the ones you keep. So if you want your marriage to make it, and we all do, if one day you're gonna get married and you want your marriage to make it, if you want your relationships to make it, here, here's the first thing that's required. Say, from this day forward, I will, number one, seek God. I'll seek God. Here's why. If you don't get this right, you ain't gonna get this right. You gotta seek God. This is why it's so important for you to understand a covenant both people, both parties, by the way, you are responsible for your own spiritual health. Amen. Your own spiritual growth, that's up to you. So you have to learn how to seek God as an individual or you will never seek God together as a couple. Amen. One person will always be dragging the other one along. This is what the Bible calls unequally yoked. And it looks, it's this picture of one is stronger than the other one. And here's the picture of the marriage, right? Somebody's going like this all the time and you're walking in circles. So it's important that you understand, and here's what you need to get. Your spouse is not your number one. God is your number one, and your spouse is your number two. Not your kids, not your job, not your friends. God is one, spouse is two. So single people, listen. Pursue the one as you prepare for the two. Married people, pursue the one with your two. How do you do that? You, you, you pray with them. You, you go to church with them, you serve with them, you spend time together. But I just wanna lean in here for just a second. Men, look at me. I don't believe in calling men out, but I do have a responsibility to call you up. And I just want you to understand, don't be the man whose wife has to drag him to church. 
Be the spiritual leader in your family. Let me tell you what this country needs, what your family needs, what your wife needs, what your kids need. They need you to be the man God made you to be. They need you to be the godly man that God created you to be. I don't know what type of man you've been from this day, but I just want you to declare today that from this day forward, I'm gonna seek God. I'm gonna seek God. What is a godly man? Write this down. Here's what a godly man is. A godly man rejects passivity. He accepts responsibility. He leads courageously. And he invests eternally. I have a responsibility not just to shepherd an entire group of people, but as a man, I have a responsibility, men, to call you from being a boy into the man God made you to be. Now, ladies, I'm not being sexist. I'm not saying that your role isn't important or anything like that, but men, hear me. The most important thing you can do is not put food on the table. The most important thing you can do is not just work a good job so your wife can stay at home. The most important thing you can do is not just be at every single practice or game. The most important thing you can do is not even come to church. The most important thing you can do with your life is to seek God. Jesus says it this way, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It is the most important thing you can do, and let me tell you why. Because your family depends on it. Yes. Statistically, if the family aren't believers and they don't know Jesus, and the child, let's say they go to a VBS or a church camp or they come to Sunday school, and the child becomes a Christian, there is a 3% probability that the mom and dad will become a Christian. Women, listen, if the, if the mom is a Christian and the mom is the spiritual leader and brings her family, her husband, her kids to church and they're not believers. There is a 17% probability that your kids and your husband will come to know Jesus. Man, look, if the man is the spiritual leader and you follow Jesus, there is a 93% chance that your family will come to know Jesus. So I just came to tell somebody today that it is time for you to stop being passive, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and begin in investing in things that matter. Begin investing in your faith. I'm calling you out of complacency, out of comfort, out of apathy, to be the men God has called you to be. Can I get a good amen? So say from this day forward, I will. Seek God. And ladies, can we just give it up for the men who are in this room on Sunday morning trying to seek after the Lord? Amen. Men, from this day forward, you can be the spiritual leader of your family. Begin to seek God. Here's the second thing if you want your marriage to make it. Number two, fight fair. Somebody say fight fair. Come on, look at your neighbor and say fight fair. Look at your spouse in the eyeballs and just tell them fight fair. Not like we did on the way to church. Fight fair. Fight fair. I talked about this one a couple weeks ago, so I'm gonna spend a little bit of time here. Dr. Daniel Godom, he's a, a marriage therapist, did a lot of research, and he gathered 16 years of data watching couples fight for five minutes. And here's what he said. I was able to predict with a 91% probability if that couple would make it. Because he says, here's the issue. It's not if they fight, it's how they fight. How you fight matters. We've all had those fights that started out as a little annoyance and blew up and were threatened divorce. We've been there. I've been there. And so what you have to do is you have to decide today that you're gonna stop fighting against each other and you're gonna learn how to fight with each other. 
Can I tell you the secret of how not to make a small fight turn into a big fight or how to make a big fight turn back into a small fight? Here it is, James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Amen. So here's what that means. Quick to listen. What did they actually say? Not just you're waiting for a comeback. What did they actually say? Remove the emotion and go, what did they actually just say? Here's the second. He says, he says quick to listen, slow to speak. Here's an acronym for you. You gotta learn how to wait. Somebody say wait. wait. Somebody say wait. wait. You gotta learn how to wait. That means you gotta ask yourself this question. Why am I talking? <laughs> you just gotta go, do I need to be talking right now or do I need to shut up and listen? And then he says slow to become angry. Well, what does that mean? It means that are you trying to just win the argument or are you trying to resolve it? So he says, I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I just think it's time for us to learn not how to fight against each other, but fight with each other because there's a real enemy and it is not your spouse that wants to kill, steal, and destroy your marriage. And so instead of fighting against each other, why don't you stand with each other and fight the one who's trying to rip you apart? Say from this day forward, I will fight fair. Number three, have fun. Woo, somebody say have fun. Y'all remember when you had fun? back when you were dating and engaged, had so much fun. I mean, you, got, you laughed your tail off together. You went on adventures together. You hung out together. I mean, like you, you would get in the car and just drive until it ran out of gas. I mean, I remember, and a lot of us think this, well, if I had more money, I would have more fun. I don't know about you, but when we were married, we had a lot less money and a lot more fun. We would take picnics off on the side of the road on 386 and just and love each other that way. You know what I'm saying? Couldn't take her to no five-star restaurant, but we had fun. We made memories together. Where did the fun go? Fun is foundational in your relationship. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. We gotta learn how to have fun again. Because see, what happens over time when you get married, because opposites attract, but they also attack, what happens is, is instead of now having fun, you find yourself living under the same roof with somebody and now you're not in love and you're not having fun anymore. Now you're nothing more than business partners who live under the same roof. Every conversation is about bills and kids and schedules and you're just trying to make it through the week, hopefully to get to the weekend. And maybe then you can just get some level of rest. And what do we do? We veg out. Maybe then we can have a little bit of fun until then, your wife reminds you that your child has their 42nd soccer game on Saturday morning, and the in-laws want to have dinner with you, and there went all of your fun. Anybody been there? So how do you actually have fun? We got to systematize it. So for me, I have a 777 rule. Man, you might want to take this one down. I have a 777 rule. What that means is, and I'm not perfect, by the way, every seven days, I'm taking my wife on a date. Every seven weeks, we, we get away and have an entire day together with no kids, praise God. And then every seven months, we take a trip together for a couple of days without kids because how many of you know that is a vacation? All this other stuff with kids, that ain't a vacation. That's a family trip. And you're like, well, I can't afford to do that. No, 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 no. You can't afford not to. You've got to spend time together and have fun. So let's just talk about the date night. Three things that should happen on every date night. Write them down. Three things. If you're, if you're not married yet, this is what you need to be look, looking for. Number one, face-to-face. -face. Somebody say face-to-face. Face-to-face communication. Put your phone down. Praise Jesus. 
Stop just watching Yellowstone for six hours, <laughs> fantasizing about Ripper Beth. Come on. Put your phone down and have a conversation. Not about kids, not about bills, not about upcoming events. That's called a family meeting. Go have one of those too. But on date night, it is face-to-face -face communication. And if necessary, make out. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know where to start, just start there. Here's the second thing. Got to happen on every date night. Side by side. Somebody say side by side. Side by side adventures. That means you have to get out of the house, get side by side and do something y'all love. Side by side. Go, go out. Go on a walk. Go on a hike. Go see a movie. Go to the mall. Go shopping. Go to the mall and judge people and then ask God for forgiveness later. <laughs> Shit, don't do that one. Don't do that. I've never done that one at all. You need side by side. Here, here's, here's the final one. And every date night, somebody say every date night. Every date night, I'm gonna keep it PG, must have belly button to belly button fun. <laughs> so if you're single, you're engaged, listen, this was a little different for you. Okay? You, you watch Netflix with no chill. But married people, you watch Netflix and chill for the glory of God. Amen? Belly button to belly button fun. Now, if you're single and you've been wondering, like, is God calling me to singleness? Do I have that gift? It is a gift, by the way. Here's how you know. If you want to touch your belly button to somebody else's belly button, you ain't got the gift. That means you should get married and not burn with passion, Paul says. So you need to get belly button to belly button every date night. I expected a couple men to say amen. amen. Now, listen, men. I'm, I'm, listen, I know y'all never struggle with this one, but I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about intimacy. Uh oh if you didn't know, your wife is not a microwave, she's a crock pot. It starts in the morning, boys. You want it to happen at 8 p.m., you better start at 8 a.m. All the ladies said? Now, woo, come on, y'all, y'all, have fun. Look, 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 and here, married couples, men and women, listen. Here's what Paul says, Bible now, 1 Corinthians 7, go read it later. He says this, you should have sex, don't withhold from each other. Unless you both, somebody say both. both. Somebody, somebody say both. both. Unless you both agree to not have sex for a time of prayer and fasting. Now listen, I'm spiritual, but we ain't never agreed on that one. <laughs> but then he says, and he also says, don't be selfish in the bedroom. Your body's not your own. That means you don't get yours and roll over. Oh. This is in the Bible. <laughs> don't get offended at me. This is in the Bible. This means your body's not your own. You better make sure you finish the job. Amen? Amen. <laughs> then he says, let me tell you why. Let me tell, let me tell you why. Verse 5, here's why he says that. Okay? He says, so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's why. Your spouse is their, you are their only sexual, healthy sexual outlet. So let's make sure that our spouses aren't going around with unsatisfied appetites settling for forbidden fruit, Esau. You are their only healthy sexual outlet. You do not have that right when you step into a covenant to, to cut it off. No. You don't get that right. Your body's not your own. You decided the two become one. Amen? Amen. I, I, love what, um, I love what the great reformer Martin Luther says. Listen to this. I love how he says this. He says, let the husband, wife, let the husband be glad to come home and let him make her sorry to ever see him leave. Ooh. 
Stay from this day forward? I will? Have fun. We had too much fun in that. I got to keep going. All right, number four, number four. Oh, we really did. We really did. Stay pure. Somebody say stay pure. stay pure. Hebrews 13, four. Marriage should be honored above all and the marriage bed kept pure. It's the number one reason for divorce. Impurity, adultery, okay? So listen to what, listen to what I'm saying to you. There are three biblical grounds for divorce. Adultery, abuse, and abandonment. But a lot of times we, we think that we're good on this one. And so we set no boundaries. So let me just give you a couple boundaries that I have. And listen, you can call me legalistic. I do not care because I plan for my marriage to make it. So, so just understand as a pastor, um, number one, my wife has full phone access. Every app, every message, every email, my wife can see it. Not only can my wife see it, my assistant can see it. And my board of overseers, they can see it. So if you ever try to send me a message like for your eyes only, please understand it is not for my eyes only. If my wife can see it, my assistant can see it. Now we got four or five people involved. I just need you to know. I'm never alone with another woman outside of my wife. I don't ride in cars with women. I don't get on elevators with women. I don't even fly by myself. If somebody tries to book me to go speak, I gotta bring somebody with me. I don't stay in hotels by myself. Why? Because I know me, I'm not stupid. And God has been too good to me for me to screw it up. So if you think this is legalistic, that's fine, but I plan on my marriage making it. And here's the deal, everybody plans on their marriage making it, but 50% do. You've gotta set boundaries. Can I get an amen? All right, number five, number five. Say from this day forward, I will never quit. I'm not quitting. Outside of those three I mentioned, divorce is not an option. By the way, the three I mentioned, I've also seen couples who've chosen not to exercise that right to leave and they've worked on their marriage together and they've seen counselors and they've met with pastors and they, they've sought God in prayer and God restored what was broken because our God is a God of resurrection. So you don't have to choose that. I want you to make a decision today. Divorce is off the table. I've told Jessica privately, and I will tell you now publicly. I said, girl, you can pack your bags and leave whenever you want, but I'm coming with you. <laughs> I'm not gonna quit. Let me tell you how your marriage will make it. Both people have to be really good at forgiving. You've gotta become professional forgivers because you are married to a sinner and you're one too. And the moment you stop forgiving is the moment your marriage starts failing. There's only one person in the relationship that will never fail, and his name is Jesus. They will fail you, but God won't. They'll fail you, but God won't. I hear so many people like, oh, well, we just fell out of love. We just have mutual differences. What? I just don't love them like I used to. We ran out of love. Yo, getting divorced because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. What do you do? You go refill the tank. And if you're like, I don't got no more love to give. That's why you start back at one Brian McKnight and you go seek God. And the God who is love will give you the love that you need to love them. Amen. Come on, y'all stand to your feet. I'm closing. Say from this day forward. I will 
Seek God. Fight fair. Have fun. Stay pure. And never quit. Because your God never quit on you. He's the God who forgave you when you didn't forgive yourself. He's the God that loved you when you walked away. He was the God that when you ran away from Him, He ran after you and goes to a cross, dies in your place and for your sin, making a commitment that though you may quit on me, I will never quit on you. The gospel is not about your love for God. It's about God's love for you. Amen. So really quick, we got, we got to close. Here's what I want to do. If you're married, lift your hand. If you're married, lift your hand. Your hand. Grab, the, grab the hand of your spouse. Don't grab somebody else's spouse's hand. That's awkward. Don't do that. Keep it in there. Hold your hand up. Okay, look around, and I want you to find somebody whose hand is lifted. Put a hand on their shoulder or extend a hand towards them. I wanna pray for our marriages because this is the way the enemy is going after generations right now. So Heavenly Father, I pray for every single hand lifted. God, give them the strength. Help their marriage make it. Protect them. Guide them. Surround them with some people. Surround them with community. Help them be honest. Help them get really good at forgiving each other the way you forgave them. God, I believe that their marriage can make it and will make it because your love never gave up on us. And we make a declaration today that we will not quit on them. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. All right, put your hands down. I wanna pray for everyone. If you're single, single again, whatever it is, I want all of us to pray together just in this area of relationships. So Father, I, I ask for everyone in the room, married, single, divorced, doesn't matter. God, I just pray that we would build our life on you, that together we would seek God. We would learn how to fight fair and have fun in a non-sexual way, that we would stay pure and that we would never quit on each other. We would never quit on you because you never quit on us. And so today, if you've never entered into a covenant relationship with God, your relationship with God has been contracted. It is based upon if God does what you think he should do, if God keeps his end of the deal, you'll follow him. Men, hear me, today is the day you leave your past behind you and you step into the future that from this day forward, you're gonna let the world know that you are believing in Jesus, that you are seeking God. Some of you today, after service, you need to get baptized and go public with your faith and make a vow and put a ring on and grab your kids and grab your wife and put some friends around you and say, from this day forward, my relationship with God will not be a contract. It will be a covenant come hell or high water. I will not leave my God because my God will not leave me. But God, I pray for those who've never entered that covenant with you. You said that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you raised him from the dead, we can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from our sin and saved from ourselves. God, I pray that those today would enter into a covenant relationship with you. So church, say this out loud for the benefit of those who are believing. Say today, from this day forward, I will follow you. I give you my life. Thank you for loving me when I failed to love you. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I can be forgiven and set free. Today, I give you my life. If that was you and that was your prayer on the count of three, nobody looking around, just lift your hand up and say, today I'm entering into a covenant relationship with God. It's been contracted for too long. Today, lift your hand. One, two, three. Amen, 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 amen. Keep them up, keep them up. One, yeah, yeah, keep them up, keep them up. Father, I thank you for every hand lifted. Thank you for saving them. Thank you for loving them. May they go public with their faith and to let the world know your love for them. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody who believed is set. Come on, church, put your hands together for those who made that decision today. Hands went up all over the room.
If you're watching online, please let us know that you made that decision as well. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church slash give. Have a blessed day.